If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the Gospel according to Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 14 again, and we will begin in verse 7 in just a moment. Luke chapter 14 and verse 7. And I've titled my sermon today, Be Careful Where You Sit. Be careful where you sit. And this is not a sermon about sitting in someone else's seat at church. It's not the stereotypical uh, get out of my pew type of situation. Uh, But instead, Jesus is going to teach us a lesson about humility. And he does so uh, using the picture of um, invited guests. So if you've found Luke chapter 14 and are able to, I'd like you to stand in honor of God's word. We'll pick up in uh, verse 7 and read down to verse 14. It says, And he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you, uh, invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you are invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you'll have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, or otherwise they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Thank you. may be seated. Now the first thing I want you to see in our text today is how not to behave. Jesus tells us how not to behave. To behave. Now, if you've been following along in our study, and you might remember where Jesus is at when he gives this teaching. And, and it, it gives us a clue in case you have forgotten. But in verse 7, it says that um, uh, he noticed how they have been picking out the places of honor at the table. Now, who is they? Well, you remember last time we looked at it, Jesus was in the home of a leading Pharisee. This was a, a Pharisee. He was a uh, most likely a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court. And so this guy was, would have been well-connected, well-known in the community. And he had invited Jesus over. And it was kind of a setup, you remember, because there was a man there who had dropsy, which was this, uh, this medical condition that was causing much of his body to swell. And it was not a friendly environment because all the, uh, the Pharisee had also invited other Pharisees and other lawyers who hated Jesus. And the Bible says they were watching him closely to see what he would do if, if he would heal this man, uh, specifically if he would heal this man on the Sabbath. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. I'm filling that in. But they, they had Jesus in their verbal crosshairs, so to speak. And Jesus turned the tables on them and, and uh, put them in the crosshairs. And it's in this context, he's still at this meal, and that's where verse 7 and following takes place. Now, I want you to look at verse 7 because there are two things I want you to notice. The first is that what follows, the Bible says, is a parable. It's a parable. Now, uh, the, the fact that Jesus tells a parable is not surprising because the Bible tells us that he did that quite a lot. But usually whenever we think of a parable, we think of fictitious people doing fictitious things. Imaginary people. So there was a, a, a man going down from, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by, by thieves. You remember that, that parable, the, the compassionate Samaritan? Or Jesus tells another parable about a sower who went out to sow, 
uh, things like that. They, they, they may be believable imaginary characters, but they're, they're fictitious. But when we read through this, Jesus gives direct instruction and tells us, whenever you go to these things, this is how you act. So how is this a parable? Well, remember what we've said in the past. A parable is taking something that is known and familiar and putting it beside something that's unknown or unfamiliar. And the thing that's known and familiar helps us understand the thing that is unknown or is unfamiliar. And so what's familiar is going to a party. What's familiar is going to a meal in someone's house. And, and that's what Jesus is doing here. He's laying this familiar thing down next to the unfamiliar. In other words, what he's, what he's telling us is not how to have good social skills. What he's doing is telling us about the attitude that we should have, the state of mind that we should have, how we should relate to others, and especially how we should behave towards and relate to God. In other words, this is a lesson about humility. It's a lesson about humility. It's, it's not social etiquette. It's a spiritual lesson about our state of heart. Now, this teaching is actually a restatement of a principle that's found in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 25, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, Do not claim honor in the presence of the king, and do not stand in the place of great men. For it is better that, they say that, that, that it be said to you, Come up here than for you to be placed lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. So this is really just a a statement of this principle. It's a a direct application of the principle of Proverbs 25, verses 6 and 7. The second thing I want you to see is what brought it all about. Because if you look at verse 7, it tells us what prompted this, uh, this teaching. Jesus noticed how they've been picking out places of honor at the table. The people were were wrangling about. They were trying to rush in and take the places of honor. Now, to understand what's going on, we need to to shift our mindset just a little bit. Because when we think of having a meal with somebody, we think of it like a table like we had in the fellowship hall. And we we think about people sitting in chairs, sitting around the table, and and it doesn't really matter where you sit. You know, if if you got somebody you're wanting to talk to, you might sit next to them. Or or if, if, uh, you know, maybe there's a chair open and everybody else's, all the other seats are filled, that's where you sit. That's not the way they did things. All of it was different. So their culture was different because it was very much based on social standing of, of honor and prestige. But something else was, that, that was different was their eating custom because they didn't have chairs like we have. They, they, they didn't sit in chairs like you think about the Last Supper, the, the picture by Da Vinci, and you think of all these, this real long table and everybody sitting in chairs next to each other. They didn't do that. They had these, these little cushions or a couch type things that were on the ground and instead of sitting they would recline and if you'll notice in the text that's actually what it says he says uh, in one place he says come and recline over here they would they would kind of lay on these cushions and they prop themselves up on their left elbow and they had a low table that's real close to the ground their heads would be by the table their feet would be towards the walls and it would be, the cushions would be laid out in a U-shape around the table. The, per, the, the seat, or the, the cushion, whatever you want to call it, in the center of that U-shape was where the host sat, or reclined. That was the place of honor. The closer you were to the host, the more honor you had. The more prestige you had, the, the higher up, the more esteemed you were. And so if you were at the party, you were in good, but if you were at the foot of the table, you weren't as in as the person next to the host. And so what was happening is this Pharisee, he had a spot right at the head of the table. 
He had a spot in that place of honor, and everybody was trying to get next to him. Now, I, I say all this, and I'm going to try and tie it into a couple of things that you've read elsewhere. This position they were in, that it, maybe if you've read some of these other texts, it, it may have kind of struck you odd. Like there's a, a text where a woman comes in and anoints Jesus' feet. And maybe you've thought about that, and maybe you picture in your mind they're sitting at the table. How did this woman come and anoint his feet? Was she climbing under the table? Was she hoping she got the right set of feet? How'd she do it? Well, no, because when she came in, they were all reclined. Jesus, I mean, you could see everybody. You'd see their feet because the feet are out towards the wall. Whenever she comes in, she finds who Jesus is, and she just start anointing his feet, Okay. Also, at the Last Supper, you remember that Jesus says that somebody's going to betray me. And Peter says to John, hey, John, find out who he's talking about. You remember the Bible says that John leaned his head on Jesus' chest and asked him. Well, he wasn't being all weird and like, you know, that, that, but instead they're all like this. And he just kind of, hey, Jesus. Okay, so that's, hopefully that'll kind of connect some dots for you as, as far as uh, some of the details. But anyway. So this place of honor is next to the host. And everybody's trying to get next to this, this leader of the Pharisees. Everybody at the party wants to be near him. They're, they're pushing, they're shoving probably. They're, they're, you know, somebody gets up to go get a drink of, of lemonade. They might kind of sneak in. They're, they're kind of scooting them down. They're, they're, they're wrangling for those places. And Jesus sees that, and that's what prompts this teaching. And so what he cautions against is... Look at what he says. He says, when you're, and this is the, the Ozarkian version, when you're invited to a shindig, don't take the most honorable place. Because somebody more distinguished may come in. Somebody might be older comes in. Somebody might be uh, a little higher esteemed in society. They have a higher rank. And he shows up, and guess what? You're in his spot. So the host is going to be a good host, and he's going to come to you, and he's going to say, hey, you. You're in his spot. So what you're going to do, he's not going to scoot everybody down. What he's going to say is, why don't you just go down there to the end? That's where there's an open spot. You go down to the foot of the table. Now, look at verse 9. He says, when you do that, you have to go in disgrace. The farthest away from the host. Now, disgrace is the opposite of honor. And that's what, that's what you're seeking. And I think it highlights that when you seek honor, you end up losing it. And maybe you've done that yourself, or maybe you've seen it happen. Somebody is seeking honor, but in doing so, they end up losing that esteem. They end up losing that honor, that prestige. Maybe somebody comes into the workplace, and they insist that everybody treat them a certain way. You ever been around somebody like that? They, you, you need to treat them like their feet don't stink, like they, like they are the best thing since sliced bread, and they'll tell everybody how to do the job. You know, if they don't know how to do the job, they'll tell somebody how to do it. And in doing so, they end up looking pretty foolish themselves. They, they seek the honor, and they end up losing it. I remember I used to do martial arts, and I, I remember hearing about a guy um, who had come into the class before I was there. But he was a, kind of a high-ranking black belt in, in his tradition, and he came to cross-train in jiu-jitsu, and he didn't know anything about it, but he insisted on wearing his black belt. And, and when you line up at the beginning and end of class, you line up by rank. White belt's at one end, black belt's at the other end. And so he wanted to be at the front of the line. He, want, he insisted on wearing his black belt. The thing is, he didn't know much about the art, and he ended up looking foolish. 
he was seeking the honor and ended up losing it. Said another way, you can't take or demand honor. And the principle that Jesus is teaching, again, is not about having good social skills. The principle that he's teaching goes beyond that, and he's talking about having humility. That's, that's, the, that's the principle behind it all, because it, it, this is all about pride, this, this desire to be seen, to be seen next to the host, to be in that place of honor, to have esteem among people. It's, and pride is really just self-exaltation. It's self-aggrandizement. It's focused inwardly. It's all about me. It's a denial, ultimately, that we need God. And the Bible says very clearly that God is opposed to the proud. James 4, 6 says, but he gives, he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Isaiah 2, 12. For the Lord, for the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against anyone, or sorry, everyone who is proud and lofty, and against any, everyone who is lifted up, that he may be abased. Proverbs 13.25, the Lord will tear down the house of the proud. Proverbs 16.5, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. And the Bible just goes on and on about how God resists the proud. He, he is opposed to the proud. And, and, and Jesus saw these people rushing to sit in seats of honor, and he saw this attitude of the heart on full display of pride, of, of arrogance. Then verse 10 and following, Jesus tells us how to behave. The first part is how not to behave. Then he tells us how to behave. And of course, he's, he's, he's not just speaking of what to do when somebody invites you over for a taco. He's talking about uh, the, the, the attitude of the heart. In verse 10, he says, when you're invited somewhere, take the last place. Now, I've been in Baptist churches my whole life, and I think that many Baptists have taken this principle and have, they've applied it specifically to their time in worship. Because... Baptists are are notorious for being BRBs, back row Baptists. And, and Jesus says, take the last spot. And many times we want to sit in the back. I don't know why, but we do. But more specifically, he's not just talking about where we sit in the worship service. He says, when you need to take the last place. You need to. It's better to be brought up a notch than to be taken down a notch. He says that we shouldn't be puffed up, that we should be uh, taking the low spot. And of course, this is the opposite side of the coin of what he taught in verses 7 to 9. Honor is given, it's not taken. Now look at verse 11, because this is the key verse of this whole text. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now that's the key, that is the thesis, that's the pinnacle, that's the linchpin, that is, that is the focus of this text. Everything in this passage hinges on that verse. Now I want you to look at verses 12 to 14, and, and I want you to see one last thing. And, and Jesus shifts his focus a little bit. He starts out saying, don't do this. Then he goes on to do this, and now he, he, he shifts the focus. So now he says, do good to others for the Lord's sake. Now up to this point, he's talking to the other guests who have been invited. Can you imagine just being in... And invited to this guy's house and Jesus shows up and everybody's watching him and, and then he, he makes it real awkward because he makes all the other people like the, the people who are watching him and, and trying to catch him in, in some kind of a trap he puts them on the spot and then he starts telling everybody there this is how you need to live I mean he, he, didn't, he didn't pull any punches it didn't matter who he was around he, 
he told people what they need, needed to hear. And so he turns his attention from the people that were sitting there with him to the person who had invited him. And he says, uh, if, if you notice, um, verse 12, the, you, he said to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. Now, Jesus says, when, when, you, when you have a luncheon, when you have a dinner, when, whatever event it is, don't just invite your friends, neighbors, wealthy relatives, wealthy neighbors, all that. Now, is he saying you can never get together and have a cookout? Is he saying you can't go to your friend's house, your friends come to your house, and you sit around and, and, and have some homemade ice cream and, and, and have a, you know, do some barbecue or what? Is that what he's saying? No, of course not. He's not saying don't do it, period. He's saying don't do it exclusively. Don't invite people over for what you can get out of it. Don't invite people over so they can benefit you by inviting you back over. And then you have some, some good name to drop whenever you're standing around talking at the water cooler about what you did this weekend. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't just sit there and, and, and have the wealthy neighbor come over in order to get in good with him so he can maybe fund a pet project of yours. Instead, he says you need to turn your focus outward instead of inward. And that's really the essence of humility. It's turning your focus onto other people instead of onto yourself. And, and as an example of what this would look like, Jesus says we need to, if, if we have a, a big shindig, he says invite those people who can't pay you back. Invite those people who, who don't have the means, who don't have the funds to benefit you in some way. We, we should invite those people in the community who, have, who, who, who are maybe in a, a worse position than we are. Now, we're not doing this to get ahead. We're not doing this to schmooze. We're not doing this so that we can brag on ourselves. We're not doing this to, to, to pat ourselves on the back. We're doing it for the sake of others. And we're ultimately doing it for the Lord's sake. Now notice this action, and more importantly, the attitude that's behind it, makes us more like God. And not only that, but it'll be rewarded, Jesus says, on the last day. God sees what we're doing and He will, he will reward us for that. But I said a second ago, it makes us ultimately more like God because if you have your Bibles open still, I want you to look a little bit further down in, in the text. We didn't, we didn't read past verse 14, but I want you to look at, at verses 16 and following. We had this parable of the dinner because this guy hears Jesus say all this stuff about the dinner guests and everything. And he says, blessed is the one who's going to eat in the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells this parable about a man who gives this big dinner. And this man, this host, represents, stands in the place of God. And this, this, this man invites people in, invites people to come. And the people that he invites refuse. They reject him. They turn away from him. They won't come. And so what does, what does this host do? Look at verse 21. He's talking to a slave. The slave goes out and invites people. And the slave came back, verse 21, and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, and listen and see if any of this sounds familiar, go once into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, and the crippled, and the blind, and the lame. Sound familiar? That's what Jesus is saying that we need to do. This host is, that represents God is bringing in people. He's inviting in people. He's compelling them to come. People who cannot benefit him. And he says, you need to do that too. 
as followers of Christ, we need to be looking to others. We need to be helping others out, not because we, not so we can have a name whenever, again, whenever we're having a conversation, we're talking to somebody on, online or whatever it is, and do, you ever heard of a humble brag? We, that's not what we're doing. We're not doing this so we can toot our own horn. There's, uh, Gerald Feed used to go here a long time before he passed away, and he used to have a saying, uh, if you tooteth not your own horn, it get tooteth not. And a lot of times we live like that. We think if, if, we, don't, if we don't kind of brag on ourselves, nobody's going to do it. But we don't need to be bragged on because God sees what we're doing. And even if it's helping out just, just in a small way, those people who are less fortunate than us, God sees that and the Bible says he will reward it. And don't expect that if you do some nice thing for somebody, God's going to drop a Lamborghini in your driveway. Because the Bible says that he, it'll happen, it'll be rewarded in the resurrection. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto others. We need to show kindness and, and generosity to those around us, people who are not as fortunate as we are. Not to put points in the righteousness column in heaven's ledger. We're not doing it to, to earn our way into heaven. We're doing it because it's a, it should be a natural outworking of a changed heart. This seeks to do good to others because God has done good to us. When we didn't deserve it, we can't benefit God. We don't give Him anything that is not already His. Humility is thinking of ourselves less. It's not putting ourselves down. It's thinking of ourselves less and putting others first, before us. It's doing good to others with no expectation of good being done to us in return. And sometimes we do something nice for somebody and then nothing is reciprocated, nothing comes back our way and we think, well, if I would have known that, I wouldn't have even done that. Well, why do I even bother if they're not going to do this, if they're not going to do that? Why even bother? Guess what? That's the wrong attitude that we've had when we did it. We should be having the same attitude that Christ had in coming to earth. The Bible says in Philippians 2, that he humbled himself and became obedient to the, it came in the form of a, of a bondservant. And he was obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross. And the Bible says that Jesus came that we might live. He died that we might live eternally in heaven with him. And the Bible says that, 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 that if we will confess our sins and we'll put our faith in Christ, he will forgive us. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will save us. And it could be that, that even now as I'm saying this, you've never done that. If that's the case, put your faith in Christ. For those of us who are Christians, we need to have a, a right attitude. And there may be, there may be some attitude of, of pride. Or maybe a false humility. Which is just secret pride. You may have some that you need to confess to God and seek that forgiveness. Why don't you stand with me as uh, musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just... Again, I, if you're a Christian today, I invite you to examine your heart, to look for that root of pride, of 
arrogance, of self-centeredness, of false humility, of doing the right things for the wrong reason. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, this is there'd be no better time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. We celebrate freedom today. To be free from from the penalty of sin, the power of sin. There's no greater freedom. Heavenly Father. Lord, we, um, we recognize that so often we fall short in this area. We want to seek those places of honor. We want people to see us, to notice us, to pat us on the back, to give us accolades. And God, we, we pray that you would help each of us to have that attitude in ourselves which is in Christ Jesus and God we um, we pray for those around us maybe those friends and family members that we have that are not Christians maybe even somebody's hearing me today and we pray for their salvation God and Lord we thank you for your grace we thank you that when we could not benefit you, that you benefited us. And that you showed your own love towards us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God, we ask that you would move in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen.